Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Will Leverson, and this is the Union Addressed. Today's episode is going to be affectionately named Martin's Arrow. And the Martin that we are, of course, talking about here today is none other than the late Martin Luther King Jr., who, in his diligence and in his now time-honored work in in the American Civil Rights Movement to improve the lives and livelihoods and quality of life for all persons of color without respect to national origin or religious or political proclivity. Martin Martin Luther King's work is often conveniently summarized or culminated uh, for um, the uh, for, for our history uh, with the I have a dream speech and in that of course we have spelled out the optimal best direction for social justice uh, race relations and, and religious also relations in the United States man of America and the larger world by proxy. But make no mistake about it that Martin Luther King did not choose the activism just solely for academic purposes. He didn't just go with nonviolence because it worked for Gandhi who could care less about black people. That, that wasn't that wasn't the reason why he chose nonviolence. The reason why he chose nonviolence because it was the most practical way um, and, and most moral safe way for the American colored people to seek equity and to seek justice and to seek inclusion in the end of segregation by way of the law. This is not about how people would feel about black people in the country. You have to understand that even now still, and of course, in the time when Martin Luther King and so many others were marching and working toward freedom in this country, that there were laws on the books that prevented black Americans from truly integrating into the society the same way that other immigrant you, uh, immigrant units and, and, and other ethnic diaspora have come to this country. Although Italians and Irish certainly were targeted with immigration policies, they were not solely prevented from being an American citizen because they were still allowed to own property. They were still allowed to become a full American without having to have had that ability to integrate limited through law. And even today, whether it be the appeasement of even 
the time that we're talking. Juneteenth should feel like vinegar water for every person of African descendants, descendancy in this country. On the one hand, you have an acknowledgement that there was a point in history where an entire people, for the most part, who were not already freed from prior slavery through the Emancipation Proclamation, if you were a Southern black, the mechanism to your freedom was provided by the mind and mannerisms and speech of a free soiler white man who could care less about the actual realization of the black citizen. And it was more about the further promulgation of slavery in the United States and a changing of economic and domestic policy. Not someone who cared so much for the plight of black people that all over the United States, black men and women and children were free. No, it was only if you bucked against the system. If you were in the South, you were free. If you were a, a black in Maryland, you're still a slave today or in Virginia or any of the Northern Territories. The mechanism to your freedom wasn't provided by some well-meaning, long-faced white person. That was not what happened. We celebrate, and I do mean that, with less enthusiasm and more with gall. For here it is, we have been presented and permitted to have a celebration on a day provided to us by another well-meaning long-faced group of white people to celebrate a time in this nation's history and imagine that it's not all too dissimilar from today that the mechanism to our freedom were provided by some entity that was not intimate with us. The blacks in Texas didn't matter to Abraham Lincoln other than where they were. If the southern states had never seceded from the Union, Abraham Lincoln would not have had any impetus for the Emancipation Proclamation. So when we are looking at these people who are calling allies and thanking them for standing beside us in this fight, we must also, within the same breath and in the same token and in the same vein when it comes down to the blood equity that we have in this country, that we also task those same well-meaning people to please keep the pressure on those that share a common ethnic background with so many white and non-colored allies. Right now we have someone who was able to campaign on a premise that if you did not vote for him, then you were not your natural black behind. And that was not met with the same 
fight to end those provoking speeches and gestures against American blacks. It was met with applause by those who were closest to the situation to say something about it. The evil that has been propagated against the American descendants of slavery, the American black people, is something that truly must, it must end. We cannot continue to have our efforts relegated to what someone will allow us to do. Notice that it is called Juneteenth and not Black Day of Independence or American Descendants of Slavery Independence Day. Notice it is given a title which is bound into what have been called a secondary language in this country. Juneteenth is not a real day. There is not a day on a calendar, whether it is a day that is in an African diaspora, in any dialect that we can understand. There is no day of Juneteenth. Can you find a tenth on a calendar? It is something that is given to us not in esteem, but in platitude. Here you are. Celebrate your day of Juneteenth where we freed you finally. Look at all that we have helped you do. And we will help you do so much more in the future. That help have only come when the impetus has been keeping the larger European-centric white-dominated power structure. Ladies and gentlemen, there have been other places in this world who are, their mechanisms are going to be different. The, the fight f uh, uh, for equity in America is not going to be the same as it was in South Africa. Number one, the Boers, the Dutch immigrants into Africa were never a mi minority, a majority in Africa, in South Africa. So the mechanisms that would lead to the ending of apartheid and the representation thereof are far different in South America, South Africa than they are ever going to be in these United States. Why? Because, baby, you are not going to get someone who have benefited from a particular power structure to give that up freely just because we think that is the right thing to do. If that were the case, brothers and sisters, fathers and mothers, uncles and aunties and great elders of this community, if that were going to be the case in all fallacy, baby, you had better believe that it, things would look far different from how they do. When even when it comes to our cinema, right? The thing that we can create that is either a fiction or nonfiction, where we can embellish or relate, rely on truth telling as much as we want to. 
Ladies and gentlemen, you will see every Braveheart theme movie. You will see every American Civil War movie. You will see every World War II movie. You will see every Amistad, every commentary on Nat Turner's Rebellion. You're going to see everything where blacks were ultimately defeated in a struggle before you will see anything in true triumph. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you to end Juneteenth from being called Juneteenth, a derogatory name. And we will fight for the recon the recon the the recognition of the striving for black independence in these United States. Or in this hemisphere, or what have you. Nat Turner's rebellion or his fight against forced servitude in which he rebelled against his slave owners was nearly two decades at least after the only, ladies and gentlemen, when you look at your brother and sister, especially if they're Haitian, know that that person carries in them a great deal of our people's pride, but of, of course of their nation's pride. Haiti is the only nation where slaves were able to fight and win against the superpowers of their day, be it France, Spain, England, and even against the incursions of the United States. Baby, you had better believe that Haiti won its freedom. It was not given to them by some long-faced, well-meaning white man. Oh, baby, that was fought for and died for in Haiti. But you will never see the Haiti independence movie. You will never see it. And it's not because white people can't stomach seeing white people slaughtered on a screen for at least a few minutes. It's because they cannot stand to see you winning and doing it, baby, in all your black, beautiful pride. Of your African pride. Ladies and gentlemen, we have Haiti and we have Liberia. But we are not able to celebrate Black Independence Day. We have to celebrate or are given Juneteenth. It's not a day that's given it to us because that's the day when we were able to take the mechanism of our freedom into our own hands. That was a day that white people are glad that they gave it to you. Glad they could sit up here and sit in your face. Some of the long-faced, well-meaning ones, the ones that will come and tell you, please vote for me because I'm in here with you, brother. When? When you decided in yourself that it was finally time because your power structures are falling apart. Now it's, come on, blackie. I was here with you the whole time. And hell, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. What is that supposed to mean? What is that supposed to mean? Ladies and gentlemen, this person looked you in your face. And that's why on this, on this, is, this is Martin's arrow. This is not the acquiescence show. This is not the one where we gloss over things to just be um, either in a more politically correct sense. This is the very arrow. A, a arrow is a weapon that have... The person who fired the arrow from the bow may 
have their moral compass in different spots at different times. Just like any soldier in any war, you may not feel as strongly a hate for the person on the other end of the weapon, but the weapon itself, whether it be a firearm, a knife, or an arrow, has no regard for the person that is firing it, and it has no regard for the target that it has to hit. It has been perfectly designed to do what it has to do. And that is what we need at this point in time. We need the arrow. We do not need the acquiescence of the person to drive the change that we so desperately still need. I was blessed and fortunate enough to just attend a racism empowerment summit. From the uh, uh, presented by the Hampton Roads YWCA here in Virginia. It was just at Norfolk State University. And all of the great information that was put out by one um, Dr. Dewey Alexander, Cassandra Dewey Alexander. was very powerful to see the to to see and feel and to heal hear the energy when it goes when it when it when it comes to uh, fighting and pushing and to really strive to change the narrative but it cannot happen if we are silent and if we allow narratives and things that continue that don't benefit us. Ladies and gentlemen, there should have been no way that someone was able to tell us what we were going to do yet again. The grinning and long-faced people that have pillaged and pilfered our communities, right to represent ourselves and ability to do so without someone saying that you cannot do it. I won't let you do it because I maintain the keys to power. If Joe Biden was really that concerned with bringing equity and justice and having Black people represented, he should have never been in the running to be a president. This is not that Kamala, I'm, I'm sorry, Kamala Harris or Cory Booker or anyone else that is not a white person. There was no there was no way to tell that they couldn't beat a Donald Trump. But here it is. Oh, again, here comes the long faced, well-meaning white man that have the keys to your freedom in his hands. And he's going to be the one to do it because he's not going to allow you to fight and do it yourself. They see themselves as these gatekeepers, right? Baby, you're going to find at some point that that gatekeeper feels every way about you doing it for yourself than the person that have been keeping you from doing it. Want to know how that's evidenced? 
in the fact that, number one, Joe Biden was even a nominee. That was the white power broker saying that they wanted to get power back from another white man that took it from them. This is not about you and I. It's about white people fighting over the control and direction of this country for other white people. And by proxy, maybe some of the groups that might vote for them differently than they vote for another group. We must strive to have our power recognized and that it will never happen with the attitudes of the power brokers as they currently are. Because they are not saying that, hey, we feel so strongly about this, then we are really truly going to change how we're even operating, who you're seeing. Because it can't continue to be like this. No, they're not interested in that. Somehow, some way, ladies and gentlemen, a tiger does not char- a tiger does not change his stripes because leopards and cheetahs think that spots look fantastic. And that is to say that Joe Biden and those that look and think like him will never not inject themselves in the process because they don't believe that you and I can or that we will. This is more about shepherding and not being a true ally. A true ally is someone who is going to help you in the fight. They do not have to be what they perceive as the fight. Do you know how important it is for Joe Biden's administration to do right by the promises that they made? If it were really the prerogative of this current administration to really do its best work in changing the morose indifference and disenfranchisement that have been American law since Joe Biden has been a part of the American lawmaking structure and certainly years before he had even stepped a foot in Washington, D.C. Joe Biden has right now appointed in his administration Cedric Richmond to the reparations, I guess, it's not even a study. It, it's not a, a council. It's more or less a committee that is put in place as a platitude. If it were really about empowering and changing things, and you would hear these people say that it is time that they found a way to start funding Reparations. Now, there are some places in these United States that have taken in a local approach. Any surplus of money has been in like, for example, Evanston, Illinois, where they as a local governing body decided that with any surplus monies of the city economy, that they would begin to allocate that towards reparations-esque initiatives, which that's Evanston, Illinois which is not even Chicago. So it's not the larger city or the larger body politic in a key battleground state that is doing this. It's a smaller city. 
You can't think of Evanston as a suburb of Chicago. It's its own little city. That's why it was able to do that. Have you heard anywhere else in these United States any real efforts toward allocating funds to begin the process of dispersing reparations? either to American descendants of slavery or anyone else that has been disproportionately affected by the white, the white power broker structure, infrastructure that's been put in place in these United States. If you haven't heard it, it's not because it's a hard sell or that there's no way possible that if you are now a majority of a representative, uh, a representative bicameral Congress, if you have the majority in the House of Representatives, then why would you not sort of bring this forward? It's not because it's a hard sell. Oh, we can't, we don't possibly want to bring reparations to the forefront because we don't want the 50 white people that might have a problem or Republicans, however these people spend things nowadays. We don't have the votes in the room to get the money that we so desperately need to bring equity. But we'll campaign on it though. Somehow we'll find a way to pass in Asian hate laws. We'll find a way to get Ukrainians money to help fight a war in their own country. With the same group of people, ladies and gentlemen, do not want to give you and I not a drop, a dime of our money back. Somehow they found a way to give Ukrainians money and they have found a way, okay, to, 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 to put together legislation in a hurry in response to disenfranchisement and violence against a, against a minority group in America. We ended Asian hate. Very quickly, somehow we cannot find a way to put together a responsible reparations package to even bring before Congress. We can't find the votes in the room. We can't find the guile or wherewithal to do it because we don't want to defeat it. Because there's so much more to fight for and that that's what we need to fight. No, that does not work that way. Do you know why this country, our United States of America, is having such a problem with gun violence? It's not because all the black people in the urban areas are sitting there shooting each other, been shooting each other for a while. You have people that have benefited so much from either the the, the charity of groups like the NRA or even gun enthusiasts. You don't have to be a Republican for the NRA to give you money. You don't have to be a Democrat for some, you know, some some uh, other liberal, um, as this country calls it, as people call it, liberal um, aspects, right? Like if you're a Democrat, you're you're, you're going to be for education, you're going to be for all those things. If you're a Republican, you're for big business and, 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 and less government. But these people have been given the white power structure money and influence since they've been there. Ladies and gentlemen, there is no way possible that we can somehow find a way to tell companies you will make in this pandemic, right? We've, we've seen the ability of the American government to, when they want to say, this is what we're going to do. My goodness, we found a way to switch production. Different companies somehow found, can you believe somehow companies found a way to produce things like masks? Uh, hand sanitizers. You have companies that, that, that produce alcohol, alcoholic beverages that were now able to start um, manufacturing hand sanitizer because we needed it for this massive effort 
to end the pandemic that was killing people in droves. But somehow, ladies and gentlemen, y'all say the, the government that we vote on. And baby, please believe this got nothing to do with a D, a R, a I, or any other letters of the 26 we use in English to do with why things are not moving ahead. It have everything to do with not with the power structure not wanting to give up their foothold. Ladies and gentlemen, it should be illegal outside of war for any gun manufacturer to manufacture and to have sold a semi-automatic or an automatic firearm. Now, semi-automatic are, 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 of course, if you're not understanding that, and that's fine. A semi-automatic is where you have, where when you squeeze the trigger, it does, the rounds don't continue to come out of the gun, i.e. an M16, or the, an M16 is actually uh, automatic, semi-automatic, like an AK-47 or an Uzi. Those are automatic or semi-automatic firearms, or even a 9mm is a semi-automatic. There should be no reason as to why those are sold at gun shows. Why does someone feel that they need to be able to buy a 240 Bravo, which is a submachine gun, a machine gun that the military uses? Okay, it's a crew served weapon, the same as in 50 cal. Why are people able to purchase these at a gun show? And ladies and gentlemen, it's not because everybody that goes to a gun show is a Republican. <laughs> This is not done because because this all gun shows are in the south. There are no gun shows um, in in the in the areas where people um, uh, are of a more liberal minded philosophy. There are no gun. There's no accessibility to semiotic firearms outside of the rural south. It, but we know that to be false. What we're just putting forth here on on the show here today on the union addressed here are all of the commentaries that are out there and these social, uh, these regime norms, right, that tell us that somehow the same, the same, it's not a different government. Ladies and gentlemen, the government of the United States is not a different government at this point than anything it has ever been. They have always been the same, usually feel by the same people. They just, you know, move from office to office, opportunity to opportunity. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the same government that can come and tell you what you cannot buy after a certain time, okay? What you cannot purchase, what you cannot hold, what you cannot sell. You can't go sell weed on a street corner, not because you're not a, 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 an avid arborist and that, or that you don't have a green thumb and don't know how to grow marijuana and then go like, like you should be able to honestly sell marijuana the same way that you can go sell onions or watermelon on the side of the road. Do you know why you can't do it? It's not because it's a controlled substance. If you're crafty enough, you can sell alcohol and pop up beer gardens and things. You don't have to be a store. You can just say, hey, you know what? I, we do Our business is we do pop-up beer gardens all over the area. And we have a schedule, uh, 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 24 pop-up beer gardens, two a month um, is what we're going to do. And you can go sell alcohol because somebody's going to let you sell it. The, the same government that tell you that you cannot do all these things, cannot, ladies and gentlemen, those of you who listen to the show for the information that we present, we present it as free and unbiased as best we can because the information is vital. 
there are those of us who are going to listen to this and it's just going to elicit and 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 really um turn our academic um brains and and, and make us think about things differently there'll be some that might even listen to this and it may form an action thought uh, or a deed thought that hey you know i listened to this show and i heard this guy talking about stuff and he said something that made sense to me like that's what it's for that is because there are going to be people that get this information who are going to be in a far more action capable position than what the host of this show is at any given time. There may be someone who is a CEO of a company, someone that is an activist um, that may get this information and it may help their efforts. That is what this is for. That is what the Ewing addressed. The show is for the podcast here is for. We do have the Sports Spot Weekly, which is more of an entertainment and outside of political and social uh, commentary, which is a respite from some of this stuff. It's a respite for the host of the show, for, for sure. And it's a respite from the information where it's not always uh, uh, so um, involved in, in these, in these um, power struggles and structures and such. We do that because we must live a full life. And the way that we must live a full life is, 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 is the fullness of engagement. And it cannot always be that only one sensibility in this country has been hurting it because that is not real. That is not truth. It is not. Ladies and gentlemen, the same government that can tell you what it cannot do it cannot find you money to bring about equity, but it can find money to fight a war. Not even to sound like a Tupac song, but what the brother was spitting those years ago was right. They have money for wars, but cannot feed the poor. Well, you need to get up and work. <laughs> Man, you got people been working in this country for a long time. The reciprocity of engaging and entering into this economy have not been there for all people and it continues to be baby it cannot be both that black people in some areas income and upward mobility is improving but yet across the board it is still woefully lagging behind other people it can't be both there is no there is nothing that on this on in this universe in all of true creation where it's something like that, baby, because if people are improving and yet they're still hurting, they're just improving from the poor position they were on Tuesday. It's a better position on Wednesday, but it's still lagging behind everybody else's position on Friday. It still is. And that is because most of the mechanisms to our true freedom are still being held by those with the well-meaning long faces that will come and tell you every couple years or so that you need to put your equity, I'm sorry, that you need to put your sweat equity and your blood equity when it comes down to believing that these people are going to be the ones that do something for you. Baby, it haven't happened yet because they don't care about that. What they care about is maintaining the power structure for themselves. If Donald Trump, believe believe me this, if Donald Trump would have been every bit of the person who we're saying that we need, right, and said, hey, man, I'm finna put together a whole thing on reparations. I'm finna, uh, actually, yeah, we're finna give money to, to anybody that's been hurt by slavery. 
slavery. And I'm not, and I know this is hyperbolic and, 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 it, and it's abstract because it didn't happen. All we are saying is this, is that do you know that, that someone with a well-meaning long face would have still found a problem with that? They would have said he doesn't have the authority to do that. They would have said, um, and this is anybody. That's, that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm using Donald Trump because you have to understand that this was not about white people saying, oh, man, the dude messed up. He don't like no black people. Baby, if you think that that's why white people voted Donald Trump out, you're not you. You're somewhere. Your thoughts are not rooted in reality. You might have had. 20, 30 percent of a voting populace. They're probably really voted that way because they but you have so many other people who were just wanting to have the power structure taken out of this white person's hands and put into a more capable uh, quotation marks, air quotes, another cap a more capable white man. Because, baby, if it was about putting somebody else of color in there to end this and to maybe have a, 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 a different representation, that is exactly what would have happened. They would have found some. They would have found the first strong black power broker to, to, to put their power behind in order to make that a realization, i.e. President Barack Obama, who was an oddity because he was the right person at the right time put up by people with the wrong sensibilities. Because they could not wait. And when I say they, I am not talking about somebody that, that, that is a good old boy. I am saying that the white power structure, the white power brokers who operate irregardless to political proclivities were wanting to have their power structure back solidified. And that is why you get it, got a Donald Trump. Had nothing to do with, 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 with a, a certain group of white people wanting to be racist. No, no, man. The fact that Donald Trump was even there in the forefront should tell you all that you need to know about that. You mean to tell me Jeb Bush couldn't be racist? Carly Fiorina couldn't be racist? Marco Rubio, Ted Cruz? None of those people could be a white power symbol for white people? No, man, it don't happen that way, ladies and gentlemen. It don't happen that way. Just like Joe Biden's um, sudden uh, uh, guile and wherewithal where, where now he's on top of stuff like 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 John B, you know, John, uh, I guess Joe Biden thinks he is John B or somebody because he thought that he could communicate to, to African, I mean, American descendants of slavery, American black people. He thought he could communicate in a space that's reserved for people of color. And look at what happened. Look at what they gave. And this man went on a black man show and told him to his face that if you don't vote for him, you're not black. And do you know you had another black person? <laughs> we can talk about this. We have many black people, but seriously, something that would have got all of us in an uproar, all of a sudden we can't even come together on because we're saying that, oh, yeah, this white boy going to be different. He, he with us. Look at him. Look how he talking. We accepted that from somebody that don't respect it. Joe Biden respected us. He would have been working on every on everything that would be improving our lives and then moving forward, irregardless or, or without regard, I should say, to his own position. Joe Biden doesn't need to be worried about getting voted in or voted out. He's going to be there as long as white people want him there. And the black people that support that, support that 
political proclivity. That is how long Joe Biden's going to be there. So as long as he's able to operate within the white power structure and to maintain that, he doesn't have to do anything other than maintain the white power structure. He won't have to because we will have helped him get there. We will have helped him stay there because of all that we so desperately need and want. To make this hit home for those that I truly, I mean, I care about everybody. This, but for my friends, family, neighbors, people I care about in the state of Wisconsin, the same thing, like the same thing. And this is bothering me because there are so many people that put their work into moving narratives that they are just trying to work within the power systems that they have. In the state of Wisconsin, which is the, the state with the two worst cities and places for black people to live in these United States, Racine, Wisconsin, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, not respectively, because I can't respect that that, 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 that someone would be willing to operate in something where people are so disenfranchised, you can cut it with a butter knife. Hell, you can cut it with a Ginzu knife. You can just see the disenfranchisement when you're in Wisconsin, when it comes down to the... Um, the relationship between people of color and non-persons of color in that state. So much so that the white governor of Wisconsin, Tony Evers, right? There's a gentleman from the city of Racine named John Tate III, who was, up until he was asked to resign, was the chairman of the state of Wisconsin's parole, parole board. Parole and, pro parole and probation board. John Tate was not asked to step down because of a misgiving. He was not asked to step down because he was doing a horrible job. He was asked to step down in an election year where you have a lot of crime in the state of Wisconsin that is being committed by those who have been benefited by the change in the in in the uh, in the bond, in the in in the bonding uh, uh, there in the, in in the justice system. So instead of someone now having a fifteen thousand dollar bond for an aggravated burglary, aggravated assault, they may be out on a signature bond or a thousand dollar bond. In a state that doesn't have any bail bondsmen, by the way, no bail bondsmen in the state of Wisconsin. None. There ain't none. You can't hop over the border and then get one. No bail bondsman in the state of Wisconsin. So you don't already have some other mechanism. I mean, I'm saying I know that bail bondsmen are still a part of a criminal justice system that is still not favorable, man, to people of color. But when you have a, a bail bondsman, it does give you the opportunity to be released on your own cognizance and not have to wait on the nicety of someone on some board uh, uh, to, to, 